0: Welcome to the Data for Resilient Cities podcast series, exploring how data can help cities become more resilient, smart, and responsive to challenges. This series is brought to you jointly by Center for Applied Geomatics CRDF, and by CODATA, the Committee on Data of the International Science Council. Via this podcast series, we bring to you reflections on the interdisciplinary approaches and the innovative use of data taken by various cities, offering examples of good practices and lessons learned. Hi, this is Shelly Gandhi from SEPT Research and Development Foundation. Today, we bring to you an episode on role of data in building resilient cities focus on urban floods. In this episode, we have Dr. Nitika Bakuni, Associate Professor at CEP University and Associate Director, Center of Excellence, Urban Transport, CRDF India, in a conversation with Stephen Diggers, Technical Director, Hydrographic Data Office, Scripps Institution of Oceanography, UC San Diego, California. I welcome you both on this episode. Thank you, Shirley. Hi, Stephen.
1: Hi, Nitika. Good to hear from you.
2: Yeah. So how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, and I'm uh, ready and excited to talk about this subject today, uh, so timely about resilient cities.
2: Absolutely, Steve. Urban flooding is now proving to be a global phenomenon, and I think it's time that we start addressing this issue seriously and start looking into the nitty gritties of what needs to be done to build us cities to be more resilient and futuristic.
1: I agree. I think that you know the you know you you bring up an excellent point. Getting to the details is how to get this actually done. Talking about it at a very high policy level hasn't been so effective uh, in our global community yet. And um, you know, just a word mm-hmm. here about climate change. Where I am in California, we're experiencing the worst wildfires we've ever had. Um, mm-hmm. And of you know, the climate scientists here. Uh, say, say that climate change uh, plays a big role in that, as well as the wildfires that were in mm-hmm. Australia. So this is a global problem with wildfires, mm-hmm. but we also see something that's a little bit more insidious and a little harder to deal with, which is the rising sea level, which threatens um, urban centers around the world.
2: I completely agree with you, Steve, There, if I look at the urbanization trends in India, what one sees is that around one third of the population is now residing in, in urban areas, okay? with a growth of about 4% in the last decade itself, which is huge given the population base of our country. Now it's also observed that in the last two decades or so, the episodes of urban flooding have also increased many folds. And hence, one would require to start questioning this whole premise of why this is happening so often now. What kind of information is required by us to understand these trends? How do we go about analyzing this information? Where is the information available from? And what are the data gaps? Answers to these questions will become imperative as they provide building blocks to any kind of policy and strategy that we need to adopt to mitigate the impacts of urban flooding and work towards resilient cities. I'm sure, globally, there will be a lot of work that is done around resilient cities. Now, Steve, can you throw some light on what is happening in the global arena and how cities are responding to it?
1: Yeah, well, one of the interesting things that we are dealing with at Scripps is, you know, we're we're collecting all these data from the deep sea where there's a lot of heat storage and, and carbon storage, all the way to the weather patterns and what happens in, you know, a pie in the atmospheric rivers. So these data are available. And I've long thought that You know, for the most part, we're dealing like we did in the past few centuries, just using humans five senses Mm -hmm. to see if it's hot or cold or wet or dry. And really what science uh, in particular and data very specifically gives you is the ability to go forward in time and to predict things. Mm -hmm. And so for those of us like me and you who are on the front lines dealing um, with getting this information out and implementing these plans, we really need to Mm -hmm. talk about having. Uh, very good and available uh, data to knowledge infrastructure so that people don't have to look for these data.
2: Absolutely, Steve, I feel a lot of information in the scientific field across the world, be it meteorological data or oceanographic data or hydrological data is quite well documented. And the trends of this information is also very readily available at various scales. Apart from this, to understand the whole issue of climate change in resilient cities, one also needs to analyze various documents related to climate change itself. One such document is prepared in case of India by the Indian Network for Climate Change Assessment under the Ministry of Environment and Forest, which looks at the sectoral and the regional impacts of climate change by the year 2030. Now, this report itself highlights a few critical points firstly the temperatures across our country are rising and this is leading to the melting of glaciers flash floods in the himalayan region so that's one part of the story now the other part of the story that it talks about is the erraticity in the monsoons that is observed in the last 10 years as a result of this india overall is in a deficit as far as the monsoon rain is concerned however Given the situation, the issue is that of urban floods because when it rains, it rains really hard. And as a result of this, a lot of precipitation is received in a short duration of time and our infrastructure is not really geared up to receive this huge amount of rainfall. Now, the situation is further worsened, especially in our urban areas because of the built-up in our cities have increased many folds. Now this has led to a lot of surface runoff and further flooding. Now moving on to the impacts of this flooding, especially in the urban areas, has implications also on our GDP. And it is estimated that in the last five years itself, urban flooding has costed India about a billion dollars. And this is quite a huge amount for a developing country like India. Stephen, I was wondering what is happening across the world and how cities are managing this, especially in case of the United States.
1: It's obvious that we can all be doing much, much, much better. Um, You know, there are data available, models available, and reports available that say that the trends in rainfall pattern, like you mentioned, will be changing um, the long durations of drought, you know, changes the soil. And then when it rains, you get flash flood events. And, you know, I think India, the United States and all over the world, um, these urban centers were built um, on top of data. Those data were taken differently as with uh, people's human experiences over, you know, decades and centuries of it doesn't rain much here and it doesn't flood much there, but this is close to a water source. Mm -hmm. And so we built these urban centers based around the climate at the time. And when the climate changes, you would expect that we would have some response. And I think for the Again, for the people on the front lines, both in the U.S. and in India, um, it is critical to be able to have not only raw data so that people can put it in models and, and, and do forecasts or even hindcasts to see how correct mm-hmm. they are. But also to have these, you know, and this is something that you and I have talked about before, these um, data refineries. You know, in that data, if data is the new oil, we need to have a way to process these data so that uh, that's set up so Mm -hmm. that each group that's doing research Mm -hmm. doesn't have to start from scratch.
2: Absolutely. I think that becomes one of the starting points for all cities to look at resilience as an attribute to be aspiring for. Because resilience is not only about infrastructure, but also about looking out for our community, especially the most vulnerable people and how we can make them safe along with making our infrastructure robust. Here, Steve, I'll give the example of Mumbai, which is often in limelight because of its flooding situation. As you're aware, Mumbai has heavy rainfall during the monsoon. And this combined with the fact that it also experiences high tides Uh, leads to a worse situation of flooding in the city, wherein the stormwater drainage completely fails and the transportation system is on a standstill. Now, this situation is further worsened by the fact that large parts of developments in the city has taken place either in the low-lying areas or on reclaimed land, which raises the question on a planning and development model itself. Now, moving on, I feel that for building resilient cities in terms of one needs to understand in terms of identifying the number of people residing in these low-lying areas and their socioeconomic characteristics. In my opinion, getting an assessment of the most vulnerable groups in terms of where they're located, how do they transport themselves in such an event, and how rescue and relief is provided to these areas becomes paramount. Moving on, availability of data for resilient cities itself becomes a major point of contention, especially in a country like India, as you rightly mentioned that data is not readily available here, and the limited sources of information are also in the government domain. As a result of which, when we are planning, we need to start from scratch in one way or the other. In fact, uh, Steve, I would also like to mention that It is not that the government is not doing anything about it. Recently, government of India has started working towards uh, this aspect and now one sees urban data portals developed as a part of the smart city mission and also as a part of the urban repository scheme of uh, under the national urban information system, which was started way back in 2006. Despite all these efforts uh, that the government has made, and the resources that have gone into you know, developing these robust systems, I see two big hurdles. One, most of the information is still not available as open source information, and the access for this information is also very restricted. Secondly, it has to do with the timeliness of data, where one is not able to get the most recent or the most updated information and hence hence in one way or the other, focus is still on developing these portals as one time thing and not having a robust plan for rolling out uh, these activities as a recurrent activities which is now becoming the need of the hour.
1: We can talk about, you know, um, Mm -hmm. certain regions being less resilient and we can see what leads to that. And you can draw a straight line between, um, how far in advance you can be prepared and how resilient you actually are. If you Mm -hmm. have, if you are preparing for a flood event one day before Mm -hmm. the event, you're not going to be as resilient, but if you have years to plan, um, and it doesn't Absolutely. guarantee anything because there has to be, as you say, you know, action associated with this knowledge. And so that's that's not covered, of course, in this, which is global data and and uh, what's there. We we have some aspects that we need to work on. Number one, um, as you said, uh, you know, mm-hmm. who's affected, gathering data on who's affected, their movement patterns, and their needs, their infrastructure, and their ability to get mm-hmm. that knowledge there's also the data granularity. So mm-hmm. are the, are the data, you know, if you say that the West coast of the United States or, you know, the Southern tip of India is mm-hmm. going to be hotter than normal in five years. Um, it may not be specific enough mm-hmm. for, for local planning. So you need, you know, to know region Absolutely. by region that's matched with mm-hmm. what the um, policymakers yeah. need. And then mm-hmm. um, we need to find out where there's not data, a little bit of a gap analysis to say um, there aren't any data here and there are those types of projects would need to be um, sort of front loaded with money a little bit more so that they could be brought up to speed and their infrastructure is stable and available for all to use. So those are just some aspects that are places to start where we could make a noticeable difference. And I should add here that one of the things Mm -hmm. that we haven't done as well to date is talk to people like yourself and and say are the data infrastructure tools that we've offered useful to you in some kind of reasonable Mm -hmm. form and and timeliness?
2: Yes, absolutely. And if you look at the whole idea about data itself and the way planning is happening across the world and in India, we are relying on information which is not up to date as we already talked about and also in terms of the granularity of this information, which is another issue that needs to be picked up on now. I would also like to mention here, uh, Steve, about another aspect of uh, you know resilience city, which is in the form of early warning systems, which many cities like Mumbai are now working towards. Uh, in, as in case of Mumbai, they're working with Google and trying to figure out an early warning system to determine areas that get flooded. These systems uh, will look at the tide levels, the storm water drainage, the runoffs, the transportation networks, people impacted, etc. And hence, technology is there and the big data sources are there, uh, which can also be exploited. However, one feels that all these uh, efforts are being done as a reactive response towards resilient cities. And one needs to look at mechanisms where these efforts can be planned ahead. And here is where, where I would say long-term strategy planning comes into play. And one would now need to start looking at how we manage our infrastructure in such a way that vulnerability of people and the life losses it may result in are reduced, how relief and rescue will be provided to them, identifying areas which will be more safer at the time of such events, and how infrastructure can be managed more efficiently during these events itself. Another aspect which I feel uh, will need to be integrated into these long-term strategy or the plan documents that we are talking about in terms of resilient cities is the aftermath of uh, urban flooding, which results in diseases. And hence, health-related uh, aspects will also need to be integrated in our long-term strategies.
1: You brought up some really good things about, you know, long-term planning when you look at and and sort of adjacent uh, domains, such as uh, infectious diseases, you know, vector-borne like with mosquitoes in flooding areas. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe, maybe it's most instructive to talk very specifically about, you know, what can we do? What can we do right now? We know that there are data, methods, instruments. It's not a big technical problem. And um, we have cheap sensors mm-hmm. that can monitor temperature and relative humidity. Um, we need historical data so we know where places have flooded. Um, and if we can correlate floods with rainfall and other climate events, then we can get a better mm-hmm. um, idea of how to tweak the models going forward and say with an increase of rainfall, it's going to look like this with an increase of, uh, say, a decrease in relative humidity in a nearby uh, sector. It may mean that there's more rainfall because, you know, we're talking about shifting weather patterns and then without putting too fine a point on it, we have to talk about the cost and the cost is going to be relative to The objectives, like is is our objective mainly loss of life or um, general health and welfare? Is the disruption to the economy prioritize those things? I think we'll come up with a budget. Then once we have a budget, um, we can you know negotiate that. But I think that what we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fair principles, you know, findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable data, because those things would be good guidelines mm-hmm. for whatever data infrastructure we set up with this, you know, new data refinery if data are the new oil.
2: Sure. And I also feel that you've raised a very relevant question about cost of data and information itself, Steve. I personally feel as a researcher or a professional who's working in field that we're always working with very limited amount of information. And as such, the information is also not available in the market for a price. Though the government of India has brought in the national data sharing and accessibility policy in 2012, we are still quite far away from the actual data sources to be made available, which are authenticated and also up to date. And in this regard, one will need to not only work towards creating data sets, but also keeping them updated for our prediction models, and thereby strengthening our strategy towards building resilient cities. Um, Yeah, one of the quotes I've heard
1: about uh, resiliency is, and I can't remember who said it, but they said, you know, are we saying that we need to accept the harm coming into communities when we say we need to be resilient? And I think that this data preparedness um, speaks directly Mm -hmm. to that and say, no, we don't have to accept that harm. We can save lives and prevent disruption of economies, if we just build the infrastructure, and as you reminded me so many times, don't start from scratch. We need to um, put the infrastructure in so the groups or their task with planning don't also have to spin up their data from first principles.
2: Absolutely, and I think towards building resilient cities, this will become like a building block since the foundation of any resilient cities is good information. That is where every strategy or every policy really starts and I think that this is the need of the R itself. Now governments across the world have started working towards it. And we hope very soon we will have these data structures in place, which will help planners and policy makers and researchers and people who are in the relevant infrastructure development field to actually work around resilience in a much more holistic way. And uh, we will build better communities and safer cities for our future.
0: Thank you, Nithika. Thank you, Steve. It was uh, great having you both on the show. Thanks for listening to this episode from the Data for Resilient Cities podcast series. If you like our podcast and want to know more about the series, check out our website, www.crdf.org and follow us on social media please leave a review and like and share wherever you listen to the podcast. Look out for the next episode and join us next time.